Welcome to But Jesus Drank Wine and other stories that kept us stuck. I'm Mead. And I'm Christy. In this podcast, we'll explore the stories that kept us, well, stuck, wanting to drink and not wanting to drink all at the same time. Join us as we show you that freedom from alcohol does not have to mean a life sentence of misery and missing out, but actually means living an authentic life full of peace, joy, and purpose. Oh, to you, my beautiful friend Mead, I would say happy Monday, but it's Friday for us. I mean, that was a, that was a greeting. Gosh, <laughs> could we do that every time? Hello back to you, my beautiful friend, Christy. How are you, my friends? I'm good. I am good. I think we were just talking before we hit record about how Halloween took it out of us. <laughs> the Halloween hangover that's not a hangover, but... And yeah. the, the fatigue is real. Yeah. Did y'all have a good evening? Yeah, we just had Ella had a party during the week and then which is so cute. It was just a bunch of 13 year old girls dancing around Taylor Swift in the kitchen. Oh, um, then on Halloween, Carter had a bunch of friends over. And at one point he was literally running laps around. And I was like, you're going to have to go to bed soon, buddy. And he was like, I'm waiting for you to crash. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> So cute for me to say that. Not probably so cute <laughs> for you in the moment. Did you have a bunch of boys too? Like you said, like yeah, 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 yeah. That that Halloween night. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Ugh. Yeah. Did you take everybody out trick or treating? Ish. Yeah. We just we had some um, friends over and we nice. ventured out in little subgroups depending on the age. And it was really actually Halloween's not my favorite holiday because I'm Mine just neither. not. I'm just, yeah. it's just, yeah, I'm like, can we not? But it ended up being a really just fun night of fellowship and hanging with yeah. good people and the kids had fun and there was lots of candy to be had. Crawford had basketball practice at 6.30 in the morning. Oh my gosh. gosh. After Halloween. Really? Oh my gosh. Oh, so we were up bright and early the next day. That was, that is yeah. so early to start. I know. Wow. But yeah, he said, can I skip it? I'm like, no, babe, no, you've committed to this. Let's go. Yeah. It's going to be dire. Yeah. We're rolling into the end of the week here and talking about something super fun. When triggers are triggering. <laughs> when triggers are triggering. What does that even mean, Christy? I don't know. Should we define what a trigger is? I've got my handy definition here, which is handy yeah. on, my, on my screen. Well, the American Psychological <laughs> Association Dictionary, a trigger is a stimulus that elicits a reaction. Yeah. Very telling. The reason we were going to talk about this today is because there are certain words in this line of work that I feel like we'd be billionaires if we had a penny for every time we heard the word trigger. Like trigger mm -hmm. is, and it's something, it's a word literally, but I'm like, it's not lost on me how it's funny that the word trigger is a trigger word for me. I don't love the word trigger. I think it is something that can handicap us in a sense when we're doing this work because it makes us seem too sensitive to be able to handle whatever that is, depending on how you use the word. But this is the, the beauty of the work that we do is that we mm -hmm. get to look at words that are triggering, so to speak, That which really what we're saying is causing some kind of emotional charge or discomfort. That's how I would define a trigger. It's like a cause and effect. Here's this thing. It's a the first warm day of spring and it's sunny and the old mead would like automatically, that would be a trigger, so to speak, 
for me thinking, oh, like this would be a good time to break out the rosé. Through working with lots of folks, it's when we talk about triggers, there's that traditional sobriety, quote unquote, way of doing things. We talk about triggers. It's let's avoid the things that trigger us. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think that word has always kind of like, ah, just rub me because I'm like, it's not an empowering word to me. But if you notice that like I'm saying I'm triggered by that word, what that means is, is it caused that rub, that tension. There's something about it. I could ignore it or I could pay attention to it and go, huh, I wonder what's underneath that which you just let me externally process for you here live. So, <laughs> Well, I think that you hit the nail on the head too, right? When you said the, the second that you have a client or who identifies something as a trigger, the immediate reaction, I think, right, is then to avoid whatever that is at all costs. And we're not here for that, right? We're yeah. not here <laughs> to live smaller, quieter lives. We're here to live bigger, better, brighter lives. And so I think... The, the conversation around triggers is so important because let's bring these suckers into the light. Let's figure out what they are. You don't have to even call them the triggers if you don't want, but figure out what they are. And then instead yes. of being in a position where you're like avoiding sunny day at the pool at all costs, right? Like you get to decide how to, like you said, process your emotional charge or also like change up then what the response yeah. is to the stimuli right? What is the response if someone hands you a glass of champagne at a party, right? That would be a, a quote unquote trigger instead of accepting the glass. Ask for what you really want, right? And these things, when we've had triggered stimuli response, stimuli response, stimuli response, neural yes. pathway hence built, they're hard in the beginning, right? To interrupt those really well-oiled neural pathways. Yeah. But, wait, but that's not to say you can't do it. Yeah, exactly. It's it, They're just really practiced habit loops, really, is what we're talking about as this, here's the trigger and here's the response to that, the cause and effect. It's, it's a practice loop. So I love drawing people away from thinking about the, or focusing on the alcohol component of that's going to trigger me to do the thing I don't want to do, which is drink alcohol and instead going, oh, but like, why is that making you uncomfortable? And to your point, what are the other possibilities here? What can we do instead where it's disrupting that habit loop is what we're trying trying to do ultimately. And the more we can bring attention to what that loop looks like, sunny day at the pool automatically sends a thought about drinking rosé. Okay, I know that. And now it's going to happen. And I'm going to get curious, does that mean I actually want to drink the rosé? Or is my mind just responding to the stimuli that it has been conditioned to be stiff. And so it's so much bigger and so much smaller at the same time than just trying to avoid the things that trigger us so that we don't do the thing we don't want to do. We can actually overcome these triggers. It's a massive call to growth. Like I've started reframing yeah. trigger as call to growth. It means we have an opportunity here. Because what's underneath it, the bottom line is that there is an emotional charge. There's discomfort, however you would describe it, around this thing. Let's get really curious about what that is and let's create a new path forward for it. So, yeah. I love that. I have a list here of the f kind of four four yeah. types of triggers. So I, let's just, we can go through like one of them, one at a time, because I feel like there's like lots we can talk about for each one. But the first mm -hmm. one is 
emotional, right? Which involves feelings that lead us to want to drink, right? Like feeling lonely and using a bottle of wine as an escape or feeling angry and using a bottle of wine to do whatever you do. I don't know, dull, dull it down, numb it out, right? And so I think this is probably one of the ones that most people that are in tune to their drinking are aware of. But that being said, I think when you're dealing with an emotional trigger, right, it's also really, 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 really handy to figure out which emotional trigger you are reaching for the glass of wine for. Because I think so often we confuse those. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of a few. This has actually come up recently with with a couple of clients where they think that they're feeling, let's say, angry right about something and so then that's what they're leading them to drink but what what it really is is a a sadness actually or a a desperate need for time for themselves and so you can't we can't process emotions unless we figure out what they are when i think we haven't done an episode on that but we probably should on just like feeling your feelings Mm -hmm. categorizing your emotions in order to process them but yeah i don't know no you're you're exactly right well because those emotions are our clues to to the, the discomfort that we're feeling. And again, it just points us back to where is that opportunity for, I know some of the work that I've done, the work that I have, that I get to do as a result of finding freedom from alcohol has been some of the work of healing old things, unprocessed things that, that I just didn't even have that had been just so pushed down for so long. And so when I can you know, name it, when I can understand it, when I can call it what it is and know what it points to, then it puts us in that place of, I mean, that's when we're using our smart lady brains. We're not stuck in that lower toddler brain. We're able to see it more objectively and go, oh, okay, well, this makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And now I know what this pattern looks like. I know what the sensations are in my body that mean to me that anger is what I'm feeling or sadness yeah. or or whatever it is. And so often it points to something that just needs further, not even, I mean, we're not talking about having to do hardcore work here. It's just attention. Yeah. Like it just needs yeah. attention. Yeah. Oh, okay. Acknowledging that it's there. And I think that's something that when we talk about like the triggers and how it creates that automatic response, what we're saying, because I, I know that this is something that we've talked about before too. What we're saying is let's learn how to emotionally regulate, to be uncomfortable yeah. with the discomfort because whether it's lonely and that makes us feel sad or whether we're bored and that makes us feel what angry or we're hurt by something, like whatever that is, ultimately what we can learn to do is be okay in that discomfort of whatever mm-hmm. it is which means we have a new opportunity for moving through it, allowing it. So yeah, emotional regulation is, and that's key to all of it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that so often, and and I think this is probably true for most of the women that we talk to, right? It's like the emotion comes up and sometimes we are okay identifying it, but then we don't look to what are the thoughts and the reasons behind that. Like I was recently speaking to someone and she was like, I'm, I'm just, I'm drinking because I'm so anxious. And I was like, what are you anxious about? What are the thoughts? What, what, yeah. tell me, what are the thoughts that are keeping you up at night? And she's, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, well, let's parse through these. I'm sure there are a lot. 
but let's parse through them one by one and like really pull them out and see if there's truth to them and see if they're like legitimate fears. And this is why being Christian women in this space is so great, right? Because we have truth behind where we're supposed to go when we're feeling anxious and bring those worries to God. But I don't, I sometimes I just don't, I think we get stuck in the emotion yeah. and want to numb it out so fast that we don't even literally stop to think what is making me feel this way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that also is, I think it's worth emphasizing that that's not a flaw in us, that that is something yeah. that maybe we're experiencing because by the way, this is how our this is how our brains are conditioned to work, to put things into automatic response modes, if you will. And so the fact that we feel something and then make a story of it, and it's like we're skipping, we're getting all the way to just that automatic, I would say that easy button. For me, it was like easy button wine for all the things. Mm-hmm. What I wasn't paying attention to was that there was actually a change in my state or my my body first that was that signal that... I yeah. was feeling discomfort of some of some sort. And by the way, too, we live in a world where, and this is where I get all tangenty too. So I'll just I'll keep it brief today and save the tangent for another day. But we live in a world where we are conditioned to not have to sit in discomfort. One hundred percent. Yeah, breathing is immediate gratification at our fingertips at all times. And so, <laughs> mm-hmm. one of my favorite exercises to do with clients like in the very beginning is to just start bringing their attention to how many times a day they're noticing a shift in what they're feeling, what they're sensing in their bodies, count the times of units of discomfort, if you will. And then we can, once we're like aware that our states are shifting throughout the day, that opens so much to being able to say what, why, so I just now have this story that when I'm anxious, I drink that's the thing that helps me. Well, no, if we back it up even further, we see, I mean, this is just a long, long loop that has been practiced and practiced. And so let's nip it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm not going to go all tangenty here, but, and I know I've said this 3000 times, at least on this podcast, but this is why the younger generation Mm -hmm. isn't drinking because they have everything at their fingertips. Yeah. That, I mean, their iPhone, smartphone, whatever. And so those those emotional discomforts or shifts, if -hmm. they're bored, they don't have to be bored because they can watch TikTok. If they're lonely, they don't have to be lonely because they can pick up Snapchat. Like all of these things are literally at their fingertips. And it's why like that's, I think, the the next great addiction, (laughs) right? That's coming Mm -hmm. up through the the ranks because you don't have to ever feel and if you're angry about something, go spew it all over us. I don't know. Does anyone still use Facebook? I don't know. But do you know what I mean? It's yeah. Just, there is something, there's an outlet and if you're holding it in your hand at all times. Um, yeah. yeah. So good. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's, it's, yeah. Anyway, what's the second um, kind of trigger on your list? <laughs> Um, environmental. So places where you usually would have a drink, right? So a pool, a restaurant, mm-hmm. a concert, here, your local pub. Um, I have so many clients where the back porch is an issue. I'm sure you do yeah. too. That one's um, for us. Yeah. 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 And so those are like the places that you associate with drinking, right? And like, again, this doesn't mean that you have to avoid your favorite restaurant or the pool or the beach. We don't want that for you. <laughs> Heck no. That's just that's just creating a different kind of prison than the prison right. that you're stuck in with your drinking cycle. Like 
You're trading one prison for another. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. Yeah, so true. And so, yeah, I'm just trying to think. I think it's really interesting because we're coming into the holiday season, the Christmas season, right? And I think there's a lot of triggers that happen. But I think for the environmental trigger side of it, I think summer is probably the trickiest one because it's just your vacation mode when there's so many different places that are automatically linked with rosé. Well, I remember when we first talked about I found freedom from alcohol December 1st, 2019. And you're like, wait a minute, like you were going into holiday season, like with yeah. all the with all the things. And and then that's something that I frequently get to like how I mean, December is a month of summer. Summer is three months of Trigger City, right? And then December is a month of well, from November, really. Earlier and earlier. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> Okay, Christmas crazies are out. Yeah. Ella's obsessed with makeup. As, and so we were in Sephora literally two weeks ago, two weeks ago. Yeah. And we're standing there and there it comes, the Christmas music. And I literally said out loud. And of course, I'm American living in a city where they don't talk at this decibel. And so <laughs> I normally have acclimated and toned it down. However, I said way too loud and Ella was mortified. But I was like, is this Christmas? I Literally like October 20th or something. No. What is happening? <laughs> no, I can't. I am a Thanksgiving purist through and through. There is no Christmas in this house until well after Thanksgiving. But well, I think you. that's because that's because we don't have the, the, I mean, we obviously celebrate as Americans, but there's no Thanksgiving here. So there isn't that's like true. another. So Girl. they started so much uh -uh. earlier. There is Thanksgiving here, and it's still my neighborhood's already decorated. Really? Like the wreaths and the lights are already out. Yes, like Christmas. It, it wasn't allowed. I made a joke about it, and I, I'm not ready yet, but I will be soon. But he's. I'm like, can we start playing the Christmas music? And he's no. We have uh -uh. to wait till Thanksgiving. And I'm like, but it's in the outside world. <laughs> but see, this is okay. So my kids are already. Yeah, they've been begging for Christmas music for days, and and I'm like, no. And in the back of my head, I'm going. I am helping you build tolerance to your discomfort. <laughs> I am helping you sit in the having to be patient and wait and build anticipation for something that you're excited about versus having it at your fingertips whenever you want it, right? And I mean, like Holland would say, mom is so not that deep. And I would also <laughs> say it's she's not wrong. And isn't it though? <laughs> Like, I think that we're obviously way better parents because we're not drinkers, but are are they so annoyed by us? I like always have, stop coaching me, mom. All the time, all the yeah. time, which I mean, I have had to start like going, is this a time that you would like some coaching? And I've, <laughs> I've started to ask for permission when I can catch myself. But also I have heard these little sweet angels who are annoyed by my coaching then say to somebody else, when they think I'm not listening, that, oh, yeah, like my mom, da 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 da. And I learned this. And, and I'm like, oh, so they oh, secretly you know, like it. You so, secretly like it. You know, yeah. Oh. Yeah. But, okay. Um, what are we talking about? I don't know. I don't know. I'm enjoying this little chat about the Christmas crazies. And this is, this is what I would like to say about this because it does fit to this conversation. I'm going to, I'm going to make it fit in thank here. You. Thank you. Thank you. It's the, 
I mean, the reason why Christmas is the Christmas season, it's coming earlier and earlier because when it's a commercial holiday, the amount of money you could make, right? Like for bringing it out sooner and not unlike how big alcohol conditions us to think that vacations and weddings and hard days and uh, I mean, boredom, all the things are also the trigger, so to speak, for drinking or go together with drinking. And so, yeah, that actually leads us perfectly into the next trigger, which is we blurred them, but this is temporal, temporal, right? So holidays, days of the week, Mm -hmm. Christmas, 4th of July, your birthday, all of these, right? So the last one we did was environmental as in the places. And now we're talking about the days, right? So, (laughs) I mean, could you ever imagine that you would not only have a wonderful Christmas, yeah, not drinking, but that you would start this journey and be okay with having a Christmas not drinking? It's so, yeah, so that was what I was saying. It's so crazy to me that that freedom date for me, December 1st, 2019, moving into that holiday season. And also, I remember this not too long ago as well. Lily Jack got really sick that Christmas oh. when we were traveling to Virginia. We spent New Year's Eve. I spent New Year's five days from December 20, I don't know, 6th to January 1st, I think, in the hospital with her. And that was my first New Year's Eve free from alcohol. That was my our first like travel without alcohol, plus all the the brunches and parties leading up to that. And so like trigger city, except for Mm -hmm. it wasn't trigger city for me at all. There were no triggers, like things that in the past you like when people are like, I can't believe you got through all of that. I'm like, no, it wasn't even hard because those things were not triggers anymore. I had wired those habit, I disrupted those habit loops that said that stress. Like before when we'd go to the hospital and I'd be stuck there, like I couldn't get out there out of there fast enough to go home and get my reward, my glass of wine. And it wasn't that at all. It was reframing for me. It was going into that as, no, this is what I get to do. I get to create a new holiday ritual, if you will, new habit loops that new conditioned responses, if you will, around what holidays look like and that no longer include alcohol. And that was I mean, that's the point of this whole kind of conversation yeah. is that yeah, triggers don't have to be triggers if we do the work of getting curious about them. They don't have to trigger us, but if we're avoiding them, they are gonna they are gonna cause us to have that same kind of conditioned response and make it doubly hard instead of seeing them as these like great calls to growth. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. And I think that that part can be fun too, you know, that discovering yeah. like what you can replace the the action with. And this is where, and I know that some people in the alcohol-free community like have opinions about like mocktails and alcohol-free options, but I think they are so good for this reason of the five o'clock, six o'clock end of the yeah. day thing. And I, again, like I, I did this during COVID, right? And so Five thirty, six o'clock in our house became like pink lady hour, right? Where it was like cranberry mm-hmm. juice with ginger ale and lime and pretty glasses. And it became our fun like COVID kind of ritual. And it became like a really sweet like family moment of this is our thing. And it takes that box of, again, marking the end of the day, rewarding ourselves for surviving and all of that stuff. And it was fun. But doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be doom and gloom. 
Well, I think that's the difference between that fear-based mindset or the or the growth mindset, if you will. If we're afraid and we're like, okay, I don't want to drink and this is a trigger. And so I've got to do everything I can to avoid this. And we're just constricted and holding, clenching tight to, ah, I can't do this. That creates extra discomfort. I always, I always say this, like compounding our, like we're not wanting to do this in the first place, but we're making it doubly hard not to do the thing we don't want to do because we're going at it from a place of like fear and avoidance that can only survive so long. Whereas it's okay. What could this time look like instead? Well, we're creating this new little, this is so fun. Pink lady time. Pink lady. Yeah. And how can that be a different experience for me? But it's, it, it depends on how you go into like what your, what your mindset is looking at it. Yeah. And I want to caveat all of this to say that we're definitely not saying that you have to go out and do all of the things that you were doing. That is not what we're saying. And I think that if you've listened to more than one of these podcasts, that's not our message here. I think that if you're at the very beginning of this journey and you want to stay home and you don't want to face all the triggers of all the parties and all the things, then stay home by all means. You do not have to say yes to all the invitations. But we're saying that there is hope, right? And that you don't have to hide away forever by any stretch, right? You still get to have this bigger, bolder, brighter life. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And in the, I think about that December time too, for me, even though that wasn't hard, those situations were no longer so-called, quote unquote, triggering for me. There's something really cool about also looking back and going, wow, like I was like newly free from alcohol and had no trouble. I I mean, I did not desire it, not one single time through any of those events. And that feels really powerful. That feels really good. It gives me this like sense of, okay, like I can do hard things. I mean, even though that didn't feel hard, I never in a million years would have imagined that I could get through the holidays feeling so much better and not missing the alcohol. And I think there's something to be said about when we can get comfortable with the discomfort that we feel and overcome it. I mean, just like anything else, where we put hard work into something, the more effort we make, the more benefit, more reward we get on the other side. And it helps us build like a a different mindset around that thing. So then I can enter into the next situation where maybe there was going to be a place where, I mean, three months later, we were starting COVID. So yeah okay, like maybe there is another situation that is triggering, but I now have this experiential knowledge to, to build on that says, but look, I did these times that maybe would have been so-called triggering in the past. I did these free from alcohol and this is what I gained as a result. Now let me take that same awareness into this next whatever it is. And I can overcome that one too. And then, and that's that kind of reward that that emotion, that that reward that we get that locks it in as like that new kind of conditioned response and, and keeps us moving along on our journey. So finding yeah. those little opportunities is is what helps us continue moving in free, free, and freedom from alcohol. Yeah, yeah. I mean, speaking of the Christmas season, I just remember my birthday is early December, my anniversary is at the end of the month, and then Christmas parties now start, right? Mid-November, sometimes early November. And I just remember I was getting my hair and makeup done. We had the craziest, craziest party season. And I was just out almost every night. And I was getting my hair and makeup done. 
And I just wanted to actually die. And I was sweating mm. out the, the alcohol from the night before. Mm. And my hairdresser, who is literally one of my dearest friends, was just like, to you, what what do you want me to do? <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. Do I have to go? And I think it was like literally potentially my birthday or something. And I just remember going through the first holiday season not drinking and just thinking of myself sitting in that hair and makeup chair thinking, mm. I so glad that I never have to do that again because on top of that I was also professional level at making it all look like okay and Uh really pretty really pretty but oh my gosh I'm just yeah I'm sorry that's my tangent for the day I've had a couple of tangents today actually sorry that's usually your job (laughs) I know we know it's rubbing off on you I love that because I don't know I just do (laughs) the thought of me sweating out like tequila in a makeup chair. <laughs> I mean, I, well, I was trying. I was trying to like think of which story of mine that I could throw as, but I, yeah, to make yeah. me feel better about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that's how. I was gonna say that's the kind of stuff though that being doing this work allows us to pay attention to those things so that we can access them as oh, this is what, noticing what's different about, I mean, that's something that we always talk about too, the experiential knowledge that kind of locks it in. This is something that was different in the past. This is what's different now. And it's it, when you kind of like put it on, out on paper, it's like, well, which way is more free? Which way feels better? Which way leads to better things? When I'm being s- sensitive towards all the things that trigger me, like that doesn't make me feel very, yeah. Yeah, the way I the way I want to feel. So it's so true. It's so true. It's one of those things, right? You're never going to know until you try. You're just yeah. never going to. You're never going to know. And it can seem so incredibly scary to start because of facing all these things. But push comes to shove. They're not that bad, and they always last a matter of minutes. No matter what it is, it's a very temporary thing. When we yeah. make. We make the whole journey, like we throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like we don't even want to start because of these small, small moments. Yeah. Well, and when we're in that like fighting against kind of what, so maybe so I can think of the word fear of the Lord, like fear of the Lord was something like when I would read that in the Bible, that was something that so-called maybe would trigger me, right? Like, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like the fear of the Lord. I don't understand. I didn't understand what it meant. Like my idea of what fearing the Lord was, was as a, the dictator that God is and fear that did not feel like whatever, but it took getting curious about that and noticing that discomfort and getting curious about it for me to say, okay, well, what does that really, really mean? And learning the context. And thankfully that's something that I was able, but in the past I would just avoid that, Mm -hmm. which meant that I would continue to stay stuck and so-called triggered by the word fear if I saw that. Whereas now, so this is where I also say it's where we we tend to say this. It's about the alcohol and it's so not about the alcohol because what we're really talking about is our the way that our minds work, the way that we respond to things and really the inability to be uncomfortable. But when we can bring attention to it, I mean, that's so much of the work and not fight against it. So it's like we when we teach urge surfing, the mm-hmm. kind of like the, the tactic of urge sur- surfing. If we can turn instead and say, "Okay, Lord, like 
you have given me, you have made me so that my emotions, my sensations, my, these are signals for me. These are things that I need to pay attention to. Like I remember Christy, when she was talking about the smoke alarms, like here are your smoke alarms, paying attention to those. What do you want to reveal to me here? Where Mm -hmm. are you calling me to growth? Now, did I have that language and know how to do that back when I was changing my relationship to alcohol? No, but just because I'm no longer, just because I'm free from alcohol doesn't mean there are other things that don't cause what we're really talking about is discomfort, emotional charge. And so how can we use those as, how can we reframe them? I, I teach in my, the framework, the peace framework that I, that I use, I teach in my, with my clients and my groups. And it's, it's, I mean, we're like, we're pausing. If you pause to bring attention to what you're feeling, you get into your body and then you allow, it's like, it's okay that this is uncomfortable. Okay. And then we can get curious about it. That gives us access to being able to, to see it as a reframe, reframe and inviting the Lord into it. I mean, I'm like, gosh, I wish I had figured this out back in my drinking, you know, journey and thought to use it that way. And that's okay that I haven't, but what a great opportunity to be like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to see here when I'm, when I'm like, I find myself with free time. And in the past, this is when I would open the bottle of wine. What do you want me to know right here, right now? Oh, okay. Maybe this is a call to growth and maybe I could do something instead. Just that simple turn back to him. I mean, that's everything. That's everything. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. I was also wondering if like in your peace framework, you can maybe pause and pray, but maybe praying comes more in the middle. So, but yeah. Yeah. It's like the P has a double, has a double meaning. Yeah. Yeah. But even maybe, yeah, the, you're right. The pot, well, the pausing is praying, inviting God in essentially. So yeah, why not? But having a way to manage, not, I hate the word manage too. I'm triggered by the word manage when I talk about (laughs) emotions. How about emotionally regulate? That's what we're really, you know, talking about because that's not just something that's going to help us in finding freedom from alcohol. That's just going to help us with everything because I know one of the fears when people start this work, it's like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to avoid the alcohol, but then what am I going to take up in its place? Oh, it's going to be sugar. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. And so do what you've got to do depending on what your goals are and how you want to go about it. But ultimately what we're talking about is what's underneath it. And it's that the fact that there's an emotional something going on that if we're not paying attention to is going to lead to just the conditioned responses that we make from there. Yeah. So good. And that leads us to the fourth type of trigger, which is exposure, which is basically when you're exposed to it, right? Like you come across the grocery aisle of the wine aisle, or I had a client once that was handed a glass of champagne at a party and held it the entire party without drinking it. And I was like, you are like a superhero, I think. Mm -hmm. But also, next time, just put it down. (laughs) Yeah. Like amazing. And maybe, yeah. Like now you can do anything. If you could do that, you could do anything. But also you can put it down. But maybe that's the next step. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And so I think this one goes to, and this is again, a personal preference, like however you guys want to go about your journey. But I think for me, when I started this, I asked Chris to please let's get the alcohol kind of like out of the house and not have it mm-hmm. around. And because I found freedom so relatively quickly, because I threw myself into all of this work, it wouldn't have triggered me actually if it was around. However, in the beginning, 
I thought that that was the first thing that needed to go. And actually, this is so funny now that I remember this now that we're talking about it. I was on a a training call like with with my cohort of coaches and someone had given us like not even like a Magnum or whatever the one up like it was as tall as Carter of wine as a thank you gift for hosting a party. It was like literally as tall as our tech that he was eight or something at the time. And it was sitting behind us in this like call. And someone was like, Christy, you're, you're literally trained to be a coach. Like how can you have that in the background? I'm like, I literally forgot it was there. You guys. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, to be honest, because I'm not open to that. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I'm on a tangent again. Gosh, what is wrong no. with me today? I don't know, but I love it that I'm not the, the one that's going off the rail. Well, I did too, but, but it, no, that's like such the fact that you can be in that place of having that giant magnum of wine behind you means that you broke those habit loops, those triggered yeah. responses around alcohol, which yeah. is the definition of, well, freedom. I'm not going to say the definition. Maybe there are lots of them. But yeah, one of the ways we would describe freedom is that the triggers aren't triggers anymore because we're free from those. And how I just, I think I'm continually surprised um, on this journey about like how this was just the beginning, like finding freedom from alcohol, how it, I thought that was going to be the last, if I could just solve that and figure that out and find the freedom, then I like, okay, that's all I need. And it turns out there's so much more that this work then relates to that allows just, it's just keeps opening. The doors just keep opening in the most amazing ways because of this work that we get to do or the work that we did and are doing and all the things. Yeah. So good categorize your triggers, right? Become aware of them, put them in one mm-hmm. of these four categories, emotional, environmental, temporal, or exposure, list them out, put them in the category. And then on the other side of the page, write what you can do instead, right? What's something that you can do to interrupt this habit loop and start retraining that neural pathway. So recognize them, name them, categorize them, and then figure out what else you're going to do instead. That's my Tina. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> I tried so hard not to. Well, well, I unjot it for at least another six minutes. <laughs> well, if I must. Well, and yeah, I think that. <laughs> I think that's right. I know. It's so predictable. It wouldn't be fun if it wasn't predictable, right? So for, for those of you who may be listening to this episode for the very first time, be sure to go back and catch up. But (laughs) tiny new action, tiny Tina is a tiny new action. And I do laugh at the fact that like one little tiny new thing you could do. And then you always give something like really like punchy and good. And then I'm like, and let's add 17 things onto that as well. So, but I like to give you possibilities. I like to give you options. So that's what this is. Options are good. So if trigger, just even looking at the word trigger, I have these triggers, like what kind of emotional response does that provide for you? Like what comes as a result of even saying the word trigger? I would, I would even welcome, I mean, reframing opportunity. Maybe it's like you said, like trigger on the left side, what the trigger is and down the right side, right? Opportunity. Let's change the triggers to the opportunities or 
I mean, literally all over my journal in the past like few months, it's, okay, Lord, what are you? where are you calling me to grow? This is something yeah. that makes me uncomfortable in a million different ways. I don't even know what those ways are yet, but I know that in that discomfort, you are calling me to grow because I cannot grow when I'm comfortable. So maybe it's opportunity for growth. Maybe it's call to growth. Maybe it's just opportunity. Whatever you want to do, even just changing the word then helps us when we're moving into holiday season and we get that invitation to the holiday party and we're like, ooh, is that going to trigger me? We can think, oh, no, is this, a, is this an opportunity for me for growth, for <laughs> expansiveness, for openness, for new, for different, for transformation? Oh, my gosh. How much more exciting is that? How much more excited will we be going into those? Like, you get to the point where you're like, I can't wait to hit another so-called trigger because... It's really fun overcoming these things because I look how I'm growing and look how I'm benefiting. So how many minutes was that? And I honestly wasn't looking, but I loved it. (laughs) I do want to end by saying that if you have submitted an email or a form in the show notes for Mm -hmm. topics that you want us to talk about, we have noted them and they are on the schedule as they say, they're coming. So if you're waiting, keep, don't wait. It's not, it's coming soon. That's what I'm trying to say. So don't worry. We have, if you sent us a request, we've had it noted and we're going to talk about it. And can we talk about too how brilliant our listeners are? Because yeah. Yeah. their ideas for topics, them. I know they're so amazing. Their ideas for topics are just, just so awesome. And we're so grateful that they take the time and make the effort to reach out and be like, hey, thanks. I mean, we're so grateful for the responses and hey, could you talk about this? So yeah. And if we will you do it. Wants to submit something for us to chat about, then there's a form in the show notes and we'd love to hear from you. We would. We All really, right. really would. Babe, what a good one. This was a good one. This is so fun. I know. Me too. Thanks All right. For, uh, hanging out with ya. us. Thanks for hanging out with us and we'll see you next Monday. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. You can find all of our episodes at butjesusdrankwine.com and make sure you follow us over on the gram at Love Life Sober with Christy and Mead at I'm Not Sober, I'm Free. To learn more about what we do, you can visit our websites at meadhollandshirley.com and lovelifesober.com. Take a screenshot of this podcast and share it with a friend or two. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't have to worry about missing a single episode. And if you love what we're doing, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. This helps more women who are feeling stuck and alone in the overdrinking cycle to find hope and encouragement. Thanks, ladies. We so appreciate you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.